Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Takeaways, baby. Oh, Podfather ready to run through a wall. Talking about NFL games from week 13. Sat down on the couch with my daughter to watch the Red Zone channel. My wife went to go to the spa and she said, Honey, watch football with your daughter this afternoon. And I said, uh, Okay. I could do that. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> you want us to do anything enriching? You don't want us to read any books? There's no homework to do? Really? No crafts? We could just sit on the couch and veg out and watch football? Oh, baby! Oh, baby! Let's go! And it was a true pleasure watching it with my daughter because she loves underdogs. Like She's following the lines now, and she knows when teams are favored big. And she's like, oh, man, you know, but my my poor Lions. She really, she's such an empath. She feels bad for these teams, especially the Lions, because they don't have a win. Like, she couldn't believe, she can't get her head around how you can't have a win at this point in the season. Winless. All right, so she's, like, passionately rooting for the Lions because she feels bad for the players. They haven't won a game yet. And so, like, at the end of this game, Jared Goff is driving. Hits Amon Ross St. Brown in the end zone. Oh, she erupted off the couch and was dancing around. It was just glorious. It was so life-affirming to watch this. Just just a, a true expression of joy that football and the Red Zone channel it specifically delivers. It was uh, something I wanted to share to kick off the show. And it, it's part of the reason why I'm so goddamn energized to do top 10 takeaways this week. There's just a lot of interesting takeaways. Let's just run through these games. Cardinals, Bears, not actually a lot of takeaways, only 15 pass attempts. The takeaway from this game is don't just drop A.J. Green, drop Christian Kirk, drop Rondale Moore. Just remember 15 pass attempts. Right, This was essentially a blowout. It doesn't look like a blowout in the box score, but this was a blowout. Cardinals were up 14-0 to start the game. It was never in doubt. It was just all about James Conner and grinding clock and get out of the stadium alive. That was all they wanted to do. They did exactly that. They threw the ball 15 times. They were never in trouble. And no wide receiver is going to produce in that environment. I mean, oh, DeAndre Hopkins scored a touchdown and he scored 11 fantasy points. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is Kyler Murray did not suffer a setback. That's what matters. In very deep leagues that are super flex and 2QB, I'm keeping Colt McCoy stashed because he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. Kyler Murray's still not quite 100%, but it was amazing to see him rush the ball 10 times go for 60 yards, score two touchdowns, and he looked good, right? So that's he didn't look quite as explosive as he typically does because he's not 100%. But the biggest takeaway is James Conner is an all-purpose back. I was wrong about James Conner. I called him a, a dusty between-the-tackles grinder, a one-dimensional power back. He's more than that because we saw he had this one-handed catch on the sideline where he reels it in up over his head, corrals it, and then you know he, he should have had another touchdown. I mean, he had at least one touchdown as a receiver, but he could have had another touchdown as a runner. He was down at the one-inch line, and I was like, oh, God, he's going he's gonna to corral that pass and then score a touchdown on it. He looks smooth. I couldn't believe it was him. I was like, is that James Conner? 
I looked over at my daughter. I was like, is that? Was that? No. Could it be? Was it? That's him? That's not the James Conner we know from the last two years. But that's been the theme of the NFL this year is we have a lot of players that don't look anything like they've looked the last couple years. There's been total transformation, butterfly transformation, total metamorphosis. I mean, that's really the title of this show. It's going to be hard to beat James Conner metamorphosis, some kind of metamorphosis. It's impressive. And if you weren't on James Conner this year, it's okay because he doesn't look like James Conner. He's last year. Everyone was talked into James Conner on the Steelers, drafting him in the third and fourth round because he was chopping wood. Remember, he was chopping wood. He was going full lumberjack. If he's going to be on the Rocky Balboa workout plan, then he must be ready to reinvent himself. And then, no, no, he was, he was not good. Very dusty. And this year, he wasn't out in the woods working out. He was doing something else. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't doing it the natural way out in the woods with firewood. That, that wasn't the way he decided to go this way. And, and, and he made the right decision for his career. Whatever he was doing this offseason to rejuvenate his body, it worked. It worked and good for him. But again, if you missed it, you're okay. I give you permission to not feel bad. If you missed out on James Conner, I don't have any James Conner because that's just not the archetype of player that I ever draft. And unless it was Zach Moss, <laughs> whoops, right? Eek. But yeah, in that in that ADP range, the other reason I don't have any Conner is that's where that's where Leonard Fournette was being drafted. Leonard Fournette, four straight games with six catches. See that James Conner is not capable of, right? James Conner is a better receiver than I thought. Clearly. But he's no Leonard Fournette, right? And so if you, if you have Connor and you have Fournette for the rest of the way, who would you rather have? Because you know James Connor's production has been more heavily skewed by touchdowns than Leonard Fournette's, and Leonard Fournette's more active in the passing game and has and they have equivalent roles for now. Chase Edmonds will be back next week, so if I had to pick, it would be a smash on the Fournette side. Leonard Fournette's just awesome, and. It'd be one thing to say, oh, I was fading Fournette last year because I don't like to draft running backs on bottom five teams like the Jaguars, and that's fair. If that was the reason why you faded Fournette last year, that's absolutely fair, and it's wrong-headed, right? That's the same reason why you weren't drafting DeAndre Swift this year. That's wrong-headed analysis, but not egregious, not shameful. Those calling Leonard Fournette fat, those calling him washed, those calling him just a guy, or just coming straight out and saying, hey, Leonard Fournette sucks. You heard that. Leonard Fournette sucks. I'm not drafting fat Lenny because he sucks. That's why many weren't drafting Leonard Fournette last year. That was the case against Leonard Fournette last year. That was the case against Leonard Fournette this year. He's not good. He's just an average running back. He's washed. And those people should be ashamed of themselves. Those analysts were big wrong. Colts, Texans, 31 nothing. What are you, you going to do? What's, what's there to say about this? T.Y. Hilton is washed. Remember T.Y. Hilton was the great Texan slayer? And, and some started him because, oh, he's the Texan slayer. He goes two for 22. Okay? It's over. But four targets for Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan. Dynasty leaguers, pay attention to Brevin Jordan. No production, right? Two for seven. But he's playing in the slot more. They have him lined out out wide more than most tight ends are lined up as receivers. Brevin Jordan is near the top of the league in his routes run out of the wide receiver position rate. Whatever that is. I don't know what that is. Right? We don't have a metric for that exactly. Of your routes run, how many of them are lined up as a receiver? We don't exactly have that metric. We have the slot snaps. And the slot rate, we just don't have exactly are you lined up as a receiver. But I know that he's lining up as a receiver more than most tight ends. And he's 21 years old. And he's getting two, three, four targets every game the last month. So I am picking up and scooping Brevin Jordan in these deep dynasty leagues, these keeper leagues, where especially tight end premium, FFPC in particular, FFPC dynasty leagues, 
Brevin Jordan is still available in a bunch of these leagues. You should go get him. And there's no other observation except this team refuses to play their most efficient wide receiver, and it's absolutely maddening. Ashton Doolin looked awesome on that touchdown, and we never heard from him again. This, 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 see this, th- how, how, how? I'm going to ask Anand Nanduri about this because he loves Chris Ballard. How can Chris Ballard let this happen? How can Chris Ballard let a breakout wide receiver like Ashton Doolin, the most efficient wide receiver on the team, he's 6'1", 215, with incredible athleticism, a history of production, and now a history of efficiency in the NFL after he was a dominant producer at Malone College, understood small school. But come on, man! Chris, you can't let them do this! Like, this is an asset that would gain value, would accrue value over time, and yet they're not playing him. And that's on the general manager. He needs to walk down to the field at halftime, knock on the locker room door, and demand to talk to the coach and say, hey, what are you doing, Frank Reich? What are you doing? you got to play Ashton Doolin more. All he's doing is making plays. Are you not seeing this? Get your head out of the laminated sheet and look at what's actually going on on the field. It's Ashton Doolin. Get him more playing time. What is the benefit of playing T.Y. Hilton at all? What is the benefit? Explain this to me. (laughs) Why? Think he's going to accrue value? Think there's going to be trade value in T.Y. Hilton? No. Damn it. Makes me crazy. It's infuriating. What they're doing to Ashton Doolin is infuriating. And I have him on every taxi squad in Dynasty, so I'm biased, understood. But come on, man. You should have him on your taxi squad, too. Eventually, eventually, like with Adam Thielen, it took him many years as an undrafted free agent from a small school. It finally happens. Ashton Doolin could be the Adam Thielen of 2023. Like, he could break out week 17 of 2023. Watch it happen. It probably won't, but, I mean... Ashton Doolin may be the league leader without looking at sample size in fantasy points per target. He might be. I don't know. You could you could go, you could find out. Playerprofiler.com, go to data analysis. You can click fantasy points per target. You can see if he's number one. I haven't I haven't I haven't done that. I'm doing a live show right now. You can do that right now, though. You're not actually producing a show. You're not talking in front of a camera and a microphone like I am. But my guess is Ashton Doolin's number one. And the Chargers. The Chargers are going to the playoffs. The Chargers could win this division going away. Look at the schedule. Yes, I understand they have to play the Chiefs again. The Chiefs don't look that good, and they play the Chiefs at home. Or do they? Ah, damn it. I don't know. Let's let's look it up. Chargers schedule. Oh, man. I was so confident. I was so confident, and at the last second, I lost my confidence. I know they play the Giants next week. I know they finished the season at Las Vegas, and they do. They play Kansas City at home in Week 15, then they're at Houston, they play Denver at home, and then they're at Vegas. So their two hardest games the next five weeks are at home. Their three easiest matchups are all on the road. This is how you can go 5-0 and to close out the season. Oh, baby. They're 7-5. and You could look up, and the Chargers are... Whatever it is, 12 and 5? 17, right? 12 plus 5 is 17. The 17 game schedule breaks my brain. I always hesitate. I'm like, 12 plus 5 is 17. Okay, that's the total number of games, right? Okay. They could be 12 and 5. And the Patriots play the Bills on Monday Night Football. It's conceivable. It's conceivable the Chargers could even capture the bye. There's no. AFC team that is running away with this division. I'm going to talk to Austin Eckler later this week. We're going to stream together, and I'm going to ask him if, if the team actually thinks it has a chance to get a first-round bye to win this conference, right? to be the number one team in the conference, and maybe go to the Super Bowl. They look like a Super Bowl team because the, what's crazy is they're blowing out the Bengals, and they're one of the most penalized teams in the league. Every time this team gets into the red zone, they get backed up with a offsides or illegal motion. And we'll ask Austin Eckler, what's up with all the illegal motion? Like, what is up 
What I know they practice motion plays. What's up with that? Eckler's the machine, right? He's McCaffrey light. He's giving you the touchdown as a runner or a receiver. Always with the touchdown, either in the passing game or as a runner. Mike Williams was the receiving leader. We loved stacking Herbert with Williams and Herbert with Keenan Allen because you could also then onslaught stack this game. This was the game onslaught of the week where you could stack multiple players you could play. Eckler and Herbert and Williams with Mixon and Higgins or Higgins and Chase. I think that was the game environment that we were thinking could play out where the Chargers get up, even though it's a road game, the Chargers get up on the Bengals at Cincinnati, and then the Bengals have to throw, which will siphon fantasy points to Higgins and Chase or Higgins and Boyd or Chase and Boyd. And then you play Eckler and you play one of those Chargers receivers. You play a bunch of lineups with Allen. You play a bunch of lineups with Williams. Allen got there with touchdowns. Williams got there with yards. So Williams gave you the bonus on DraftKings, the 100-yard bonus. Allen gave you the two touchdowns. So you could play a double stack with Herbert and Williams and Allen with Mixon and Chase or Mixon and Higgins thinking that the Chargers will be in comeback mode. In the second half, they weren't. The Bengals were in comeback mode, and they did. They they made it close. Looked like the Bengals had the momentum. Then Joe Burrow broke his finger. The, the The pinky was the wrong direction. Was going the wrong direction at times. So my daughter and I were grossed out watching him trying to fix. He was trying to fix his finger on the fly. He, he was throwing the ball on the sidelines in agony. Like ah, you throw the ball ah. So Joe Burrow. Finger is all mangled, right? The finger is going the wrong direction. And you saw something happened at halftime. Something happened at halftime. Before halftime, that final drive where they just gave up on it and they didn't call a timeout. They just they gave up on the drive. Even though Joe Burrow was acting the hero, he was the uh, stream. Help me out. Who was the who was the Knicks player? He, he played on a broken leg. Who was that guy? It was a Knicks player in the playoffs. He came back in on a broken leg. Uh, it wasn't John Stark. Come on, guys. Come on. John Stark? Really? Really? Oh, man. Was it uh, the Iceman? Willis Reed. Thank you. And uh, someone, someone said that I, I just lacked credibility. Some idiot in the chat thinks that me not knowing a Knicks player from the 70s on a football stream somehow affects my credibility as if I care. Would you rather I pretended to know who he was? Would you rather that or me just not mention it? No, I'm going to ask you. We're going to get it right, and it's going to be Willis Reed. So that's what it was. That's the take, right? That's the take. Joe Burrow is the Willis Reed, okay? Get the fuck out of here. You're the worst listener in the history of this show. You don't get the show, and you don't even know that this is the best show, maybe in the world, but at least on Mondays, is the best football show you're going to get. If you don't know that, get the fuck out. Right, so the finger's broken, and it's down here. He's like this. Ah, ah. I think that he knew the camera was on him. It didn't strike me as completely genuine. And also... Professional athletes are in a lot of pain a lot. They, they don't have to show it. He knew the camera was on him. He knew it. He knew it. Now this guy's talking about, oh, how do you explain the only have 15,000 subs? That's pretty good, guy. That's pretty good. Oh, uh, how many viewers do you have? You found the show. Congratulations. You should feel lucky that you found the best show available on Mondays breaking down these games. You should feel fortunate that your league mates don't know about this show yet because they will they will but instead of feeling lucky you want to be an asshole and you want to talk about how oh every football analyst should know willis reed just off the top of their head because you're a genius and i'm sure you have a youtube show that is widely successful where you talk about every player from every sport going back the last 50 years because that's the level of quality and knowledge that i'm sure you bring to your show, you dope. I can't believe we have this level of knucklehead in this audience. I thought that we had weeded out 
all of these buzzards. I thought we had weeded these guys out. I thought we had. But now we see we, we, we have one. And they wander over like, oh, I wonder what this show is. Oh, this guy doesn't know a player that I know. Oh, that means I must be smarter than him. Clearly, I don't feel like I'm smart. But in this one particular case, I, I, I knew a guy this guy didn't know. And so I'm going to use the chat feature to lash out and show the world. I get to show the world on YouTube that I know this player's name. And this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I, oh, I got it. I got it. This is going to satiate my insecurities. Now I'm going to feel smart finally. Now I'm winning at life. Finally, I've got it. I've got it. This is going to heal me. This is going to heal the void inside where I know that I'm not good enough. And I know I really don't know anything. And I know I could never do this show. And it really, it eats away at me like I drank Drano. But guess what? In this moment, I'm typing this out that this guy, this football analyst doesn't know Willis Reed. And I'm going to get him, goddammit! I really want to talk about the Vikings and the Lions because... This was a fun game to watch. This was the game of the week. If you're watching this game, how could you not have been cheering for the Lions? It was absolutely incredible. And Cody Carpenter saw this coming. Cody Carpenter is in the chat. He's loving life. He told the world, this is the bet of the century. Just take the Lions to cover. The Vikings are without most of their key defenders. Not just Daniil Hunter, but pretty much everybody else. And their left tackle, Christian Derrissaw. And if you listen to the Decision Point show, this is why we touted Christian Derrissaw as just another reason why Rick Spielman is a great general manager. And you look up, oh, how can he be a great general manager? They're five and seven. They just lost to the Lions. How can he be a great general manager? Because uh, this team has been absolutely ravaged by injuries. They've beat a bunch of good teams. They beat the Chargers. So they are finding ways to win against good teams. But when you're this injury ravaged in the NFL against other professional players, you go on the road and you need a medical tent outside the stadium. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? If you don't lose, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. And it's going to be closer than seven points. And so this, if, if, if you just pay attention to key injuries on defense and the offensive line which a lot of people aren't paying attention to certainly the sharpest in vegas are paying attention to these details but most people don't realize the impact that losing christian derisaw is going to have or that losing anthony barr or danil hunter is going to have on the vikings but when you think about the fact that the lions have been playing a lot of teams close and they also have an analytics expert communicating with Dan Campbell and this game totally changed my opinion of Dan Campbell and it had nothing to do with them winning I swear it had nothing to do with them winning but I have I have absolutely changed my opinion of Dan Campbell because they went for it the Lions went for it against the advice of the broadcasters the broadcasters criticizing it oh oh I, I don't know if I'd do that yeah I don't know I don't know you're you're on your own 30. You can't go for it here. When it was clearly the move to go for it, I remember turning to my daughter going, they have to go for it here. Because if they if they get the first down, then they can milk clock, kick a field goal, and win the game. Like, th this is it. If you actually play it out in your head, of course it's the right move. And then guess what? If they don't make it, if the Vikings score, it'll be relatively quickly. And in fact, they could even let the Vikings score and then they can go down and score a touchdown to win. So there's multiple outs if you go for it. If you if you don't go for it, it's it's a little bit harder, right? It, it's it's it, you punt and then the Vikings get to milk the entire clock, kick a field goal with 1 second left and you lose. That's what would have happened. Had they punted there on their own 30, had they punted, Vikings march down, kick a field goal with 1 second left and they lose. But because they went for it on their own 30, and they they didn't get it, right? They got stonewalled, right? And in getting stonewalled, in going for it against the advice of the broadcasters, I immediately gained incredible respect for Dan Campbell. I was like, whoa, he's going for it here? This guy actually focuses the right details, and they must have 
someone running the numbers in the booth and feeding it to him, and he's trusting them. He's trusting the numbers. That guy with the goatee telling people to bite kneecaps is trusting the analytics? This is amazing. I mean, that's the face, right? I mean, that's the ultimate Trojan horse for analytics is if you can put a bug in the ear of a Dan Campbell-looking like pro-magnon man, right, and, and, and put him on the sidelines, no one's going to doubt Dan Campbell's manlyhood. No one's going to think Dan Campbell is embracing analytics wholeheartedly. There's no way you would think that about Dan Campbell. It's impossible. And yet in his ear, they're saying, Dan, Dan, go for it. Dan, you should go for it. Go for it on the 30. Your own 30. Go for it. Game's on the line. Go for it. Most coaches would not do that. He's like, yeah. He's like, what's the math say? The math says go for it, Dan. Oh, okay, I'm going to go with the math. We're going to go for it. Whoa! Like, amazing! Amazing. So, I mean, we're big fans of the Lions because they're rebuilding the right way. Right? We have the polar opposite teams. We have the, the Falcons going nowhere and completely delusional, rebuilding by accident. And you have the Lions, who know exactly what they are, and they're rebuilding with a purpose. And they're getting it right every step of the way, from Penny Sewell all the way down to hiring Dan Campbell, apparently. I mean, right? Picking up Josh Reynolds, seven targets for Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds has that rapport factor with Jared Goff. But he, he didn't produce big numbers, just 10 fantasy points. So you can still pick him up. But he's a starter. It's him and Amon Ross St. Brown out there. And Reynolds is the veteran. St. Brown is the rookie. You could chase that that 86 yards and a touchdown. Breakout game, but a rookie, right? I think moving forward, I would trust Josh Reynolds more than St. Brown even because of that rapport and because just he's the veteran, right? Josh Reynolds has had 86 yards and a touchdown in his career. Like he's had those games with the Rams. He's already done that. St. Brown's done it once. I prefer Reynolds. Oh, it's so close. So close. On the other side, K.J. Osborne, seven targets, got the touchdown, high ankle sprain for Adam Thielen. So it's going to be K.J. Osborne. There's a player we're going to talk about later that you should be prioritizing above and beyond K.J. Osborne. The biggest beneficiary is going to be Justin Jefferson of this Adam Thielen injury. I mean, 14 targets, come on, almost 200 yards. That's what happens when Adam Thielen goes out. Justin Jefferson commands even more targets, but also Tyler Conklin, right? It's going to be the Jefferson and Conklin show, and there's going to be weeks where they dump it off eight times to Madison too. So I I think that it's going to be Jefferson, Conklin, Madison, and then it's going to be some combination of Osborne, Diddy Westbrook, and uh, Amir Smith-Marset. So watch Amir Smith-Marset get to the active roster, start to command some targets. Now is the time to stash him in Dynasty. He's available in most Dynasty leagues. In the player pool, you're going to see Amir Smith-Marset. He has a relatively high breakout rating. We like his dynamism. He looks the part of a breakout wide receiver from the fifth round. So that would be the deep Dynasty stash where K.J. Osborne's the more obvious pickup in all league formats. I think that he'll disappoint those that are expecting, oh, the number two receiver for the Minnesota Vikings pass-first offense. Oh, he's going to eat. He's not going to eat, right? He's not going to eat. He may be the fourth option. You should pick him up if he's available in any kind of deep league. Everyone knows that at this point with the Adam Thielen injury. I'm just not as excited about K.J. Osborne as maybe some others are going to run out to best-case scenario and say, oh, this is one of the better waiver-wire pickups of the year, a wide receiver. Eh, eh. Not so much. New York lost Mike Glennon, so they'll be starting Jake Fromm from Georgia. Jake Fromm from Georgia, right? They lost Kenny Galladay to a rib injury. They lost season for Kenny Galladay. Darius Slayton's going to be the number one, but I expect Sterling Shepard to be back next week, so get Sterling Shepard. It's not not Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton is a one-dimensional perimeter field stretcher he's a four to five targets a game player sterling Shepard is a 10 targets a game player when he's the number one option he's a you know a slate breaker in dfs like there, there's been slates where you had to have sterling Shepard in those games where he gets 10 plus targets he goes over 100 yards that's sterling Shepard. that's not 
Darius Slayton. But Sterling Shepard's available in a lot of leagues. Jake Fromm could be an upgrade over Mike Glennon, keeping it close to the line of scrimmage. That suggests a lot of targets are going to funnel to Sterling Shepard, but also Kadarius Toney could be back next week. So the red herring pickup of the week on the waiver wire has to be Darius Slayton. No thank you. Dolphins, Jalen Waddell got hurt, 9 for 90, yards per target below 10 once again. Devontae Parker was more efficient than Jalen Waddell. He's now going to be healthier than Jalen Waddell. Devontae Parker's a smash. Devontae Parker's an absolute smash. Still, though, the five targets. Why? Tua Tungaveloa is not wired to throw the ball to players on the perimeter that can't separate like Devontae Parker. So Devontae Parker could go up high point the ball, come down with five passes for 62 yards on five targets, be super efficient, put up 11 fantasy points because he's not getting the huge targets. Look at the cornerback wide receiver matchup. So you go to player profiler, you look at the, the player page for Devontae Parker. We'll show you later on this week the cornerback wide receiver matchup. If it's a friendly matchup, play Parker. All in on Parker. If it's not, if it's like he faced with New York where you had James Bradbury, we talked about Devontae Parker on the starter stream show being a fade this week because of the disposition and just the overall sensibility of most modern quarterbacks that are not Ryan Fitzpatrick aren't going to throw the ball frequently to wide receivers like Devontae Parker on the perimeter. But if the wide receiver cornerback matchup is friendly and there's no Jalen Waddle, you got to be all in on Devontae Parker and we're all in on Mike Gusecki. You see some of these tight ends having big weeks in the face of injuries. So Adam Thielen goes down, big week for Conklin. No Debo Samuel, huge week for George Kittle. Turns out George Kittle's a total beast when healthy. Did, did we know that? I think we knew that. It turns out that that's true. That's the thing that, that, that's been confirmed again, but now we know again that that's true. George Kittle's awesome. That's not news. But Mike Gusecki with no Jalen Waddle, yes, please. So the, the big boom performances from tight ends on the heels of wide receiver injuries, key wide receiver injuries, just makes sense. Just makes sense. That's the law of the conservation of targets in action. Philadelphia, Gardner Minshew looked great. The problem was the Jets weren't good enough to create a shootout game environment. This was why I was worried about Matthew Stafford, worried about Gardner Minshew, loved Gardner Minshew's rushing capability, actually having a, a better week than a Matthew Stafford because they were facing teams that would struggle to create a shootout, to make it competitive, where Miles Sanders and even Kenny Gainwell were able to smash. The Eagles' running game is managed very similar to New England's running game. I think that they're trying to mimic how New England structures, manages their backfield. I think Howie Roseman looks at New England and says, we, we want to emulate the Patriots' backfield. We don't want to spend a lot on running backs. We're not burning a second-round pick on Miles Sanders anymore. Instead, we're going to draft a guy like Kenny Gainwell in the fifth round. We're going to pick up a Boston Scott. We're going to pick up a, a Jordan Howard on the waiver wire. And different players will be active based on our game plan. Just like in New England, sometimes Rodri Stevenson's been active or inactive. Sometimes J.J. Taylor's active, then inactive. The one consistent player that's always active is Damian Harris in New England and Miles Sanders. And we thought Damian Harris was a quality receiver. It turns out he's probably just average. And we thought that Miles Sanders was a quality receiver, but it turns out I think he's just average. I think he's just an average receiver. Whereas Kenny Gainwell is the goods, right? And isn't it great to have a running back named Gainwell? Isn't that just, in retrospect, how did anyone pass on Gainwell as a running back with that last name? And there were a number of... Uh, videos that I've produced. You know, I produce multiple videos for TikTok every day. And some of them have uh, looked wrong in retrospect. Some of these takes have been cold. Like the Kenny Gainwell take. You got to get Gainwell. Gainwell has incredible upside. And it was like, oh, you told me to pick up Gainwell. You suck. Right? Like, like, like these buzzers in the chat. Right? Making themselves feel better. Satiating their insecurities by berating the YouTube show host who is producing a show for free for your enjoyment. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you should, you should, you should, uh, you should beat me up. That's a good idea. Yeah, that, 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 that's 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 a good life choice. So they complain, and I don't take L's. Like I'm not taking the L on Gainwell. I hope you didn't drop him. That's all I have to say. I'm not taking the L. I'm not going to take any L's ever, except I'll take the L that I didn't think James Conner would lead the league in touchdowns and show himself to be a quality receiver. Like, I didn't think. Okay, here's a cold take that I will officially take an L on. So you can have cold takes, and then those takes warm up, right? Gainwell, the, the take to get Gainwell was cold, and then it's warmed up. So that's why you don't take L's. Oh, I was wrong. I'm sorry. No. He's a good player in a good running game with receiving skills in PPR leagues. That's a player you want. That's Kenny Gainwell. Don't take the L, everyone that touted Kenny Gainwell. What the fuck are you doing? Right? That's a cold take that can warm up. Me thinking that Miles Sanders was a better receiver than James Conner? I can't do it. I, I want to take the L. Oh, man, I can't. I can't. I just can't. Like maybe Sanders has the yips. Maybe that's what it is. Just three targets again. He had hogging all the snaps, but not getting targets. Poor guy. And he did catch a screen pass that went for no yards. And he, he fell awkwardly. And then the linebacker or safety collided with his ankle. The helmet hit his ankle. And he was in pain and, and everyone rushed, rushed around. I think that he... I think he screamed in pain, which is why so many people rushed and crowded around him. And we thought it might be serious. But on the replay, there was no torquing of the ankle. It didn't go the wrong direction. It didn't twist. It just looked like a contusion. It looked like he... he I think that he got scared. I think he's going to be fine. Miles Sanders is going to play. Because it didn't look like there was, there was any structural damage or any twisting of the ankle. I think that he's just feeling cursed. Like, it's like the Maradona ankle, right? I think that it's a Maradona situation where it's this goddamn ankle every other week gets hit. Defenders may or may not be targeting it, and he feels like it's cursed, like Tiger Woods' knee. Like, it's always that knee. Why is it always that knee? Why is it always that ankle? It's the Diego Maradona corollary. He has Maradona's ankle. This is what happens. Man, that could be a show title. That's a long show title, though. Uh, Miles Sanders and Diego Maradona's ankle. I don't know. What about Miles Sanders' ankle of God? Let's let the, let's let the chat decide. Except that uh, one knucklehead that doesn't know anything. Let's let the chat decide. Miles Sanders' ankle of God. That's pretty good. For, for those of you that don't know, because I know basketball history, great moments from basketball, NBA history, like Willis Reed coming back and playing on a broken leg. I know that. I also know about Diego Maradona, famously experiencing one of the most gruesome ankle injuries of all time, playing for Barcelona, I think. And, uh, oh my God, this comment's been up the entire time. <laughs> well, this guy said Stark. And uh, so he was playing for Barcelona, not Real Madrid, I think Barcelona. And he, uh, catastrophic ankle injury, comes back, and then he's maybe the greatest player in the history of the Italian League and won a World Cup for Argentina. And in uh, one of these World Cup matches, he hit the ball in with his hand. He concealed it where it looked like it was his head from the referee's vantage point, thought it could be like a shoulder or a head, but it was actually his hand, and it was just a sleight-of-hand maneuver, and they call it the hand of God. And, uh, but the, 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 the goal after that, see, the thing is the hand of God goal is it's too, it's unfortunate that it gets so much discussion. It creates so much discussion because the goal after the hand of God goal is one of the best goals I've ever seen, especially in world cup play. So I hate that the hand of God overshadows the next goal by Maradona. This guy, one of the best, if not the best soccer player of all time. And it seemed in every other match. He hurt his ankle. He was going down with an ankle injury, and that was one of the reasons why he uh, doesn't have the career numbers of a Messi, for example. Let me challenge my knowledge of other sports. See, that's what happens. That's what happens when you challenge the Podfather's knowledge of other sports. I, I, I dropped some sick Diego Maradona knowledge on you. Miles Sanders, ankle of God. I think I like the James Conner one better. The, the chat has voted for James Conner something metamorphosis. 
I don't know. We'll see. This is a work in progress. We're going to workshop it. The Jets, Elijah Moore is awesome, right? This just further builds my case that this 2021 wide receiver class is the best since 2014. Bucks, Falcons, Chris Godwin is amazing because he went down with an ankle injury that looked worse than the Miles Sanders ankle injury. Like he took a real collision on his foot. It got kind of caught in the turf. And I was like, oh man, I was like, oh man, he's down. He was slow to get up. And then he's back out there like two plays later. This guy, this guy. Oh yeah. Good point. Travis. Good point. Maradona also ate himself out of soccer. He did. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, uh, it was his ankle and then the weight gain. If you're overweight with a bad ankle, I mean, you're not going to be able to play long. That's true. It's great. Great contribution. Did I mention I love the chat today? God, the chat's been great. No problems whatsoever with the chat today. Loving every minute of the chat. Every comment's been great. Not triggered at all. And just follow the targets. Russell Gage has been one of the NFL target leaders the last five weeks. You lean into the volatility. Oh, he had a zero. Okay. Look at the median targets. That's the way that you can gauge a wide receiver is by looking at the median targets, not the average targets. So the average targets have been, you know, five a game, but because he has those zeros between getting eight to 10 targets a game, look at the median instead. That's a little wide receiver game log hack. If you want to gauge potential free agent ads at wide receiver, is he the primary option? Yes. Does he have a high median target share? Yes. Russell Gage. And he's relatively explosive. You go to Russell Gage on Player Profiler, he played at LSU with a low-volume offense with DJ Chark and other good receivers at LSU. So he didn't produce big numbers in the SEC, but he comes into the league, he's explosive. That's the one thing we know, right? We know that he wasn't productive at all in college, but okay, he's explosive at LSU and he hangs around the league and they elevate him. And he's been the number one receiver in the second half for the Atlanta Falcons. You like that guy. If he didn't have explosiveness, he wouldn't have a hundred yard game in him. But that's why player profiler exists. You go to player profiler and see, oh, this guy is an 80th percentile burst score. Oh, he could, he could go boom. He could go over a hundred yards. I could play this guy on DraftKings with confidence. And here we are. 11 for 130. Jaguars, Rams. I'm only interested in Laquan Treadwell here. Cody Carpentier did it again. He gave you Laquan Treadwell tomorrow's newspaper on the undercover ops. And then what does Laquan Treadwell do? He comes out and operates as the number one receiver. He more than doubles the second highest receiving yards output on the team, LaVisca Chenault. 62 yards for Treadwell only 30 for Chenault. We knew this would be a blowout. We talked about it on Starter Stream. There's no way, no, there's almost zero probability that Trevor Lawrence can have a good game against the Rams defense. Home away, doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. We knew that, which, which is where the Matthew Stafford ceiling was. Didn't get to 300 yards because Trevor Lawrence couldn't make it a shootout. But Laquan Treadwell is the clear number one. Like you can chase KJ Osborne and hope that because he's a Viking, that he'll score a touchdown. He'll be active. He'll, pre- he'll be productive just because he's part of an offense that throws for 300 yards a game. You can do that, but that's a much fringier option than a guy like Russell Gage or a player like Laquan Treadwell, who's operating as the true number one. And then Urban Meyer comes out and says, this guy's working as hard as anyone in the NFL other than Aaron Donald. <laughs> it's like, What? Like, can you say something not ridiculous for once, Urban Meyer? But that's still interesting. That's still interesting coach speak that they think that highly of Laquan Treadwell, that he's finally turning it around in his sixth year in the league. I mean, we've seen late breakouts. Took Devontae Adams two years of being the least efficient wide receiver in the league to finally break out in year three. Took Devontae Parker. Took Corey Davis. Multiple seasons of irrelevance before they finally broke out. I think Devontae Parker was four seasons before he did a goddamn thing. Same with Corey Davis. With Laquan Treadwell, it's been like six years. So this is relatively unprecedented, but you have unprecedented players like Laquan Treadwell somehow threatening a second-half breakout 
in his sixth year in the league, and you have Cordero Patterson emerging as the primary running back in Atlanta and one of the top playmakers in the league at age 30. Both were first-round picks by the Vikings, who lost to the Lions this week. Every year, every season is weird, right? This is a common trope among sports analysts. Oh, this year has been one of the craziest years. Oh, this year has been just nuts. Oh, this was one of the most unpredictable seasons in recent memory. This has been a wild year. Oh, it's been such a wild season. Hey, Bill, can you believe how wild this season's been? It's been crazy unpredictable. Yeah, Jim, I know. I can't believe all the weird things that have happened. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, guys, I, I can always believe it. It's, 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 it's every year, right? This year, you have two former Vikings breaking out all over the place after six-plus years toiling away in the league. Meanwhile, the Vikings are losing the team that drafted them originally, losing to the winless Lions in Week 13. That's poetry. That's sports poetry. Can't believe it, Jim. I know. It's amazing, Bill. This season's been nuts. Yeah, every year, Jim and Bill. I can't believe that you're surprised, right? I can't believe you're still surprised that you're surprised. You should just be surprised unsurprisingly. How about that? Can't be surprised that you're surprised. I'm surprised that you're surprised that you're surprised. I think that's surprising. James Conner Butterfly Surprise. Is that a, is that a name? I don't know. I don't know if that's the name of the show. We're going to keep workshopping it. Where's Tavon Austin? Where's where's he? He's the next one, right? Isn't he? Isn't he next? Where's Tavon? Football team is in it. They're 6 and 6 with Taylor Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Good old Taylor Heineke coming through again. Super efficient, two touchdowns, a little bit of rushing, 10 rushing yards. Look at this guy. Love my Taylor Heineke. Antonio Gibson is going to be the great beneficiary of this Logan Thomas ACL injury. And J.D. McKissick was carted off. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses multiple games, but he's going to be back. He's going to be back. But in the meantime, Antonio Gibson is the big winner. Right now, McLaurin, he was Casey Haywarded. Is that a word? He was Casey Haywarded. That's what happened. So uh, no loss of faith in McLaurin. McLaurin's going to be back with a vengeance next week. Play him with confidence. In fact, play him more in DFS coming off a underwhelming week. But there's no one else in that passing game. So a Casey Hayward can can shadow comfortably Terry McLaurin, knowing that the number two receiver there, who is it? Anyone know? It's Adam Humphreys. It's Adam Humphreys, and their their new starting tight end is John Bates. All this tells me when I hear this is McLaurin, right? When I hear, oh, Thielen's going down, it's like, oh, man. Justin Jefferson's going to be the wide receiver one. And then I say, oh, uh, no Logan Thomas. I think, oh, man, Terry McLaurin, top five wide receiver the rest of the way. Like that, and, and because the targets consolidate, everybody wins. Everybody wins at the top of the food chain for that team. So more eating for Antonio Gibson, more eating for Terry McLaurin. And I'm just not excited about De'Ami Brown, not excited about DeAndre Carter. They put him back in the bottle. One week, it's DeAndre Carter. One week, it's Jakeem Grant. I mean, chasing these little, little old speedsters, you'll, you'll never get it right. You'll, you'll, I mean, you might, but it's very difficult. It's very, you're much better off just playing Russell Gage in deep leagues, picking up Laquan Treadwell. You're much better off knowing the guy is actually the first option in the read as opposed to oh maybe oh maybe Jakeem Grant oh yeah well Allen Robinson's probably back right Allen Robinson's trending toward playing finally it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see Allen Robinson healthy with Andy Dalton under center that hurts Darnell Mooney but I, I think we could get a good week or two to close out the season from Allen Robinson maybe and Josh Jacobs is going to be rising up the dynasty rankings. He's going to be the big riser this week. And the, the reason is not Kenyon Drake. You might think, oh, Kenyon Drake. No. His routes have been rising the last two weeks. We needed to see it this week to see if it was finally a trend, and it was more than a trend. Like, he's been getting five targets, and then with no Kenyon Drake, he got those extra four targets. That's nine targets, right? But if he just gave us his 
same five targets, which is what he would have commanded whether Drake went down or not, that's still a trend where you're looking at a true bell cow and how many bell cows in the league are younger than 25 years old. It's not that many. True bell cows, age 23, whether he's explosive or not, whether he's been productive throughout his career or not, and you could argue that Josh Jacobs is the ultimate sort of bare minimum running back. He's been, based on the metrics, based on the breakout finders, analytics, Josh Jacobs is the worst running back prospect we've seen, at least in the last 20 years. And he's an absolute warrior. I really respect him. I respect the hell out of Josh Jacobs because he's been laid low by all these ankle, foot, and knee injuries the last couple of years, and yet he's playing hurt and producing. Now nine targets? Nine targets. So many that don't listen to this show will see Josh Jacobs jump up the dynasty rankings on playerprofiler.com and say, well, that's just a snap reaction. That's sort of an instant overcorrection by player profiler. And I disagree because he went up 10 points last week because we saw the targets, right? It changes his entire archetype if he's going to go out and command five targets a game. And we just had to see it again. We had to see it one more time, right? Make sure it's not an anomaly. And now officially, whether Kenyon Drake was injured or not, he was going to get five targets and officially become a bell cow and jump into a new echelon. Right, He would have passed James Robinson and that tier of running back on the dynasty rankings whether James Robinson got benched or not. Now, James Robinson got benched for fumbling, and he's trending in the worst possible direction for a running back, knowing that Travis Etienne's coming back next year. It's terrifying if you have James Robinson in dynasty. Absolutely terrifying. It was a few weeks there, in the middle of the season, where he thought, oh man, James Robinson's fine. James Robinson's safe. Not safe anymore. He's dealing with injuries. He's getting benched for fumbling. Travis Etienne is looming. It's bad. It's really bad if you have James Robinson in Dynasty. Thankfully, we have the Sonic Truth podcast where we recommended trading him at all costs. I don't have any more James Robinson left. I was second-guessing myself for a minute. Didn't take any L's, of course. And then that take has warmed up, hasn't it? It's funny how these takes warm up. We talked about on the Starter Stream show that Jacobs and Renfro have hidden upside. And they did. They did. Renfro, 20 fantasy points. Jacobs, 25 fantasy points. My God, man. My God. Good look at these guys. I'm just very, I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of the Renfros and the Jacobs because they bottomed out last year. Both of them. Their careers cratered and they, they climbed out of that crater. They climbed out of that smoking rubble. And I'm just impressed. You have to just... Have no take. Just say, hey, I'm impressed. And if Darren Waller misses next week, keep playing Foster Moreau. Keep the faith in Foster Moreau. Washington just decided to take away the tight end. Foster Moreau is one of the most explosive tight ends in the league. And he's been productive whenever called upon. This was maybe his worst game on a per-snap basis in his career. His least efficient game on a per-snap basis. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Play him next week if Waller misses. Steelers won. We're going to have a decision point show this week. We almost always push decision point shows when the Steelers win because I don't want to deal with it. But this was just an AFC North clash of the uh, you know old school football teams. And we didn't say Ben Roethlisberger is never going to have another good game. It's just that it depends on how he wakes up in the morning, how his body feels. Sometimes his body feels fresh. Sometimes he feels like he can't get out of bed. He, he got up for this game. Roethlisberger can't get up for many games, but he got up for this game. Great. Good for him. Odds are he won't be able to get up for the next game. That's just the life of a washed quarterback. See, Ben Roethlisberger washed. Leonard Fournette, not washed. That's the difference. You see that? One guy definitively washed. One guy definitively awesome. Keep the faith in Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman was never going to have a super productive season because he had surgery in September. What'd you think was going to happen, right? He was recovering from surgery the first four weeks of the season to his abdomen. What happened to Debo Samuel last year? Oh, groin slash abdomen injury cost him most of the season and he wasn't productive even when he was active. At least 
Rashad Bateman has been super efficient, has been their most efficient receiver when active and when targeted. One of the observations that is laid out in the Dynasty Dominator Reloaded book, and it just hit Amazon, brand new book from the Podfather and the whole Dynasty team here at Player Profiler, Dynasty Dominator Reloaded, Kindle, hardcover, softcover on Amazon. And we talk about how efficiency actually matters more in Dynasty than it does in seasonal leagues. Where in seasonal leagues, you care more about the opportunity metrics. That matters most. Like we care about, is Laquan Treadwell running all the routes? Yes, we're interested, right? We're interested. I care more about Laquan Treadwell being the number one option or Russell Gage being the number one option than I do about their efficiency in a small sample or so far this season. Doesn't matter as much to me. What I want to see is the opportunity. In a small time window, I want that opportunity. I want to, I want to get on that target on-ramp. In Dynasty, when you're deciding who to roster for their careers, you want to know they're good. And that's what the efficiency metrics provide. A window into, is this player good or is this player bad? We know that Rashad Bateman's super efficient. And he's been productive this season. So he's already been productive. He had a muted breakout already this year, and he's been super efficient while doing it. That's enough to keep him posted up as a you know top 20 wide receiver in Dynasty. You're like, wait, what? What? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Would I rather have Mike Williams or Rashad Bateman? I'd rather have Rashad Bateman. I want those years. Moving forward, Rashad Bateman's going to be a better, more efficient producer for a much longer period of time than Mike Williams. Mike Williams is good right now. In seasonal leagues, I want Mike Williams. In Dynasty, I want Rashad Bateman. That's not even hard to figure out. Like That's not even difficult to understand. And yet, especially for new Dynasty leaguers, it, it, it just takes time to have conviction when players underperform. But you have to zoom out and trust the profile. Rashad Bateman's the perfect example of that. On the other hand... You have Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge's profile is not impressive on playerprofiler.com. I'm not going to chase this 3-for-3 for 35 yards. He was efficient in this game, yes. But he's been active and not productive at all for many weeks, right? And he didn't have the same severity of injury that Rashad Bateman suffered. And he wasn't a first-round pick. And he went to a small school and he came out at a highly advanced age. So for a lot of reasons... I'm not chasing Dwayne Eskridge in Dynasty, and nor will he jump up in the Dynasty rankings just because he had his first productive game. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. Rashad Bateman's not going to crumble, and Dwayne Eskridge is not going to pop on the Dynasty rankings. Juwan Jennings isn't good, but we thought he would be the starter. He'd be running most of the routes. He'd be an end zone target. He was a guy you could stream in deep leagues, a guy you could pick up in best ball leagues that allow for transactions during the season, and it didn't happen. So you just churn that guy. He's a classic churn candidate. Was he used the way we hoped? No. It was Trent Sherfield was the number two. Okay, moving on, right? It's like, whatever. It's a classic churn scenario, but does that mean you go get Trent Sherfield? Absolutely not. And this is the one of the great stay-away backfields I've ever seen. Poor DJ Dallas continues to be the best running back, the best all-around running back, and he got zero touches. I don't even know if he was active, and it's a goddamn shame. Woof! And the Seahawks got lucky. They played slow. They only scored nine points in the second half. Russell Wilson was incredibly efficient. He's totally back and only threw for 230 yards. Wasn't allowed to really push the pace and be prolific. Fuck Pete Carroll. Man, they, even when they win... They almost lose. Oh, God, just. Ugh. I mean, Pete Carroll's worse than Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's going to get fired before Pete Carroll. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. Russ is going to bail out Pete Carroll again, and injuries are going to doom Mike Zimmer. But it's Pete Carroll who is the stone worst coach in the league. What a shame. And I'm wearing the Believe shirt. Believe. I still believe Patrick Mahomes is good. You see, believe. I still believe in Patrick Mahomes. I still believe. I can't believe we're here. But we did. Speaking of TikTok videos, 
we talked about Patrick Mahomes being the worst quarterback draft pick. Like the worst drafters. We said the worst drafters were drafting Patrick Mahomes and Mike Evans. All right. Mike Evans actually had a path with an injury to being a productive asset and, and paying off at ADP. Patrick Mahomes never did. You just you don't want to be the first one to draft a quarterback, especially if he's going a round or two before equivalent quarterbacks like Josh Allen. Come on, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that we haven't learned this lesson. How long since J.J. Zacharyson published the late-round quarterback and then there's Patrick Mahomes going in the third round? It's like every year, every year we learn this lesson. Oh, poor Jerry Judy, poor Cortland Sutton, poor Tim Patrick. There's too many miles to feed in Denver. There just is. And look at Akui Boonham versus Noah Fant. Same targets, similar efficiency, similar yardage. They're the same guy. You go to player profiler, they're similar size, similar college production, similar athletic profiles, now exact same production. In fact, there was a time during this game where they had the exact same line, same targets, same receptions, same yardage. They were identical. And it's why Noah Fant keeps dropping. It's like, how can you do this? How can you move Javante Williams into the top five dynasty running backs so soon? How can you move... Pat Fryermuth ahead of Noah Fant on the Dynasty tight end rankings. And I'm like, because we pay attention? Because we have eyes that see and ears that hear? Because we can perceive the world around us and we know what the fuck is going on? There's no way Noah Fant is going to pay off. All Pat Fryermuth is going to do is eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat for 10 years in Pittsburgh. It's going to be Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson and maybe Chase Claypool, we hope. Like, that's, a, that's it. They don't need to add any more skill position players. They have Najee Harris. They have Fryermuth, Johnson, Claypool. That's a wrap. You can go and invest every draft pick, Pittsburgh, in the offensive line. You can go find a way to talk Aaron Rodgers into coming to the team and then invest every single draft pick in the offensive line and turn this franchise around. It could be an instant turnaround. That's how you do it. But you don't need, to, don't need any more skill position players. You don't need them. We, we like them consolidated. We just like four guys, right? That's it. In Denver, they have seven guys. See, seven guys is too many. Seven, two tight ends, two running backs that can catch passes, three quality wide receivers, not even counting KJ Hamler long-term. Seven guys. Six last week. No Melvin Gordon. And Javante Williams is really good. Hello. Like, this was obvious. This is, this is not a takeaway. Not one of the top ten takeaways. You just have the dynasty rankings on player profiler. You know Javante Williams is amazing. He's been efficient, right, this year. So that, that's what matters. So you say, okay, he was an all-purpose back in college, came out early, was drafted early, and so he starts with this incredibly high lifetime value rating on the dynasty rankings. You're like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty high. That's pretty aggressive. You're pretty bullish on Javante Williams, huh? Like, yeah. And the, the fact you can get him in the late first round in Superflex dynasty rookie drafts is a great gift push the button man okay 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 i will drafting Devonte smith over javante williams see that was bad process this is what we warn you against we warn you against this all else being equal you have an elite running back prospect versus an elite wide receiver prospect you go with the running back and Devonte smith wasn't even an elite wide receiver prospect because we had no idea how athletic he was. All we did know about him physically was that he was tiny. And now Devontae Smith's quietly busting. Is no one going to talk about this? It's like one of the great unspoken realities of the NFL that Devontae Smith's not producing. And yet, nothing. Like, nothing. Jerry Judy has been experiencing a target squeeze after a serious high ankle sprain. There was no way he was going to be productive in the second half. It was impossible. This was obvious. It doesn't have to be hard. None of this has to be hard. You just have to not just draft players or continue to start players based on brand equity. You look at their usage and their situation and consider maybe we don't need to start this guy this week. I know he won the Heisman, but uh, 
I don't like these game conditions at all. They're facing the Jets. This is not going to be a shootout. This feels more like a Miles Sanders game. Don't think I need to start Devontae Smith this week. Yet at no point we were starting Devontae Smith or touting Devontae Smith this week. Why? Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson had a reasonably productive game completely out of nowhere. And Devontae Smith still gave you nothing. Mm. I sure hope you drafted Javante Williams in your rookie draft. He's amazing. Uh, it wasn't John Stark. Come on, guys. Come on. John Stark? Really? Really? He was Casey Haywarded-ed. Uh, I, I, I knew a guy this guy didn't know. And so I'm going to use the chat feature to lash out and show the world. I get to show the world on YouTube that I know this player's name. And this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I, oh, I got it. I got it. This is going to satiate my insecurities. Now I'm going to feel smart, finally. Now I'm winning at life. Finally, I've got it. I've got it. This is going to heal me. This is going to heal the void inside where I know that I'm not good enough. And I know I really don't know anything. And I know I could never do this show. And it really, it eats away at me like I drank Drano. But guess what? In this moment, I'm typing this out that this guy, this football analyst doesn't know Willis Reed. And I'm going to get him, goddammit! And I'm sure you have a YouTube show that is widely successful where you talk about every player from every sport going back the last 50 years. Because that's the level of quality and knowledge that I'm sure you bring to your show. You dope. If you don't know that, get the fuck out. See, Ben Roethlisberger washed. Leonard Fournette, not washed. That's the difference. You see that? One guy definitively washed, one guy definitively awesome. Look at the median targets. That's the way that you can gauge a wide receiver. This has been a wild year. Oh, it's been such a wild season. Hey, Bill. Can you believe how wild this season's been? It's been crazy unpredictable. Yeah, Jim, I know. I can't believe all the weird things that have happened. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, guys. He knew the camera was on him. He knew it. He knew it. In this moment, I'm typing this out that this guy, this football analyst, doesn't know Willis Reed, and I'm gonna get him, goddammit!